Well, hello and welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA. What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. My co-host, Dana, continues to recover from having her appendix removed, so I'm flying solo again on the show. So let's just get right to this and start the show. And welcome to another episode of What's Brewing, CISFA. Let's start the show off with our first cup. And for those who are downloading the episode on the day it came out, yes, it's a little late. It's a little late in the afternoon here. But it's been a busy day. So on Fridays, uh, it's hard to record when everyone's in the office, even though half my staff was here and half were out for other things as we're getting close to the start of our semester So it's hard to keep them all here every day until we hit that first day. And when we do hit that first day of the semester, everybody better be showing up. So I'm here alone as I've uh, sent everyone off early by a few minutes so that I could sit here and record quietly in my office. Uh, Construction is done for the day on campus. They are building our new student services building right next door to the building I'm in right now. We're in what's called the instructional building and in officially the instructional annex, which is the side piece to it, I guess. And so our new student services building is being built right next to it. It's supposed to be the last major building on our campus. But over these last few months here, they broke ground sometime, I'm going to say early spring, and uh, have been leveling dirt. Of course, they took everything off. They had to take a bunch of uh, blacktop off. A bunch of uh, bungalows and trailers moved our, our sheriff's department and just get things out of the way. It's, uh, it's been quite a bit of work. And then they're coming through and, you know, putting in the caissons and then they are flattening the dirt, reworking some of the walkways and all. It's been noisy during the daytime here. So uh, actually recording probably at this time of day is even better, which means my first cup is really just some sparkling water to get me through hopefully up to 30 minutes. Might be a little short today. Because I don't have news news to give you, and I didn't have time to get interviews. Again, this is a tough time when me and most of my counterparts in financial aid are busy with our starts of our semester. In fact, I know uh, our past president, uh, past past president, Mike Deer, uh, just emailed me this week because he's getting some of our Nina G books out to our conference attendees. I know it's been a while, everybody. Please hang with us. Uh, But this was his first week of classes down in the San Diego area. And in L.A., ours is uh, starting this coming week is our first week of classes. So I thought I'd kind of put out a a topic that's kind of what another radio host that I listen to, or I should say podcast host, refers to as an evergreen type of topic. In other words, one that's not going to be tied to some point in time other than everything I've said right now up until this point about buildings getting built and starts a semester, uh, semesters. It's really, uh, the topic today is our title of the show is where to go and when that's not telling people to, you know, brush off or anything. Really what we're saying is, and what I'm thinking about is where do you go for answers, maybe advice or suggestions, guidance, 
maybe legal answers or facts. You know, you just need a fact, a factoid on something. And when do you go? Who do you go to and how? So, you know, I want to kind of discuss this. This is kind of a general thing, and it comes out of uh, the fact that I had a pretty complex question posed to me by somebody up uh, north in Sacramento about a student situation. And it's one that didn't have an easy answer to it. It was a it was a question of uh, resolving discrepancies uh, between some information provided by a student, and there's not an easy answer to it. And so it got me thinking about things, uh, especially because, you know, when you've gone to enough conferences with our federal student aid people, NASFA, our National Association, CASFA, our California Association, CISFA, my association of community college financial aid folks or other uh, workshops and conferences. You see, so I, I'm very much into the moment of being at a conference. I'm not one to be on my phone and distracted. Nothing against you if you can do that, but I like to be there because I'm spending money or my office is. I want to be involved and engaged. And so when I hear questions sometimes, I sometimes ask myself, is this the right venue to do so? Is this the right person to be asking it? And sometimes, and I've heard this from people uh, at, at different uh, positions in uh, federal student aid or Department of Ed, do you really want an answer from us? Do you re- really want us to give you guidance or a rule? Or do you really want us to come down and tell exactly what you have to do? Or do you want to accept that there may be multiple possibilities of something as someone from the department of ed was well known to say when asked questions the answer from her would be it depends because in our industry as i'm sure in a lot of industries it really does depend on a number of factors and so financial aid professionals we do have a lot of legalese and guidance from the federal government whether put out through uh, the official channel of a dear colleague letter which many, many years ago were printed and sent to you, I think, if I remember right. And then they just became electronic ones. And then they have their electronic announcements, which might not always be a dear colleague letter per se, but some kind of announcement of something going on. And so these would be our guiding uh, documents to help us through different questions and all as far as how to attack certain problems or handle uh, certain types of processes. But there's always people asking for, well, why don't you decide on, why don't you tell us what this means or that means? And it really becomes a question, do you really want them to do that? Do you want to be held uh, held specifically to what one person from federal student aid would say or what federal student aid would say on a topic when maybe you have some wiggle room or some uh, room for judgment? I'm not going to use the word professional judgment, because that has a specific connotation in the financial aid world. Professional judgment is, in a sense, written into the federal law that allows the financial aid administrator to look at a student's financial aid file and make certain adjustments to items from their FAFSA, data elements, I should say, that could impact that student's aid eligibility. For example, the biggest thing we do for professional judgment, or PJ, is taking into account the more recent year's income in cases of a loss of income or a loss of a job. 
because that federal aid form, that FAFSA, you know, you fill it out. For example, the students coming this fall semester next week could have filled out their FAFSA last October of 2020. And they would have been asked about their income information, theirs and their parents oftentimes for our younger students, from 2019. Well, certainly some things happened in 2020 and things have happened in 2021. But the FAFSA is very specific. We want income information from 2019. But what if something bad has happened? Loss of a job, a retirement, a loss of a parent. Those are the things that a school has professional judgment options to, in a sense, take those into account, plug in some new numbers in the fields on the FAFSA, and see if it makes a difference in eligibility. So there's that. But there's many other areas where we just have room for some judgment. You know, looking at how we address other inequities or how we process certain types of aid. And so oftentimes you'll really have to consider, these are the things that I always think about. Is there a legal, a moral, or ethical concern at hand? Because then it really becomes a question of, are you asking the right people in the right forum? And or should you maybe start with somebody else and maybe uh, test it out on someone? You know, consider where you could source an answer from, too. So this is, um, this is something, and this uh, aff- uh, afflicts us all at some point. You know, are you wasting someone's time asking something that could easily be found through Google or a website? And really, should any one of us be ever told by somebody twice to Google that? Not that Google's the only search engine out there, but the reality is they do have the market pretty well cornered. So, again, if all you want is a fact... And unless you don't own a smartphone or don't have your iPad or you only use carrier pigeon, really, when it comes to that, um, look it up. Look it up for yourself. Google that. Now, if you get lost along the way, don't worry about that. Um, That, that, um, you know, at some point you might need someone's help to find something that's certainly more intricate of nature uh, to find. So keep that in mind too. But, you know, it is one of those things, you know, sometimes among friends, you know, who was the best picture on such and such a team? Uh, You know, we all certainly know people who are experts on a number of different topics. And I'll have to say I hang with way too many experts on certain topics, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, like baseball, uh, baseball is just one of those things that I really do enjoy. Um, but it is one of those things that I do not have the background, uh, knowledge that so many of my friends do, um, uh, on, on knowing p- players from like way back in the, uh, way back in the right, you know, way back in the history of baseball. I mean, I know players from my growing up in seventies and eighties, but if you ask me for the 1983 Milwaukee Brewers lineup and their bullpen, I wouldn't know. I really wouldn't. And there's some people that enjoy that and know that well or know the stats, but that's different. Now we're talking mostly on this show about the world of work. And so if it's something that could be found, or maybe you've never looked for it, and that's fine. I'm more than willing to help a first-time person look for information and 
you know, find them the right source. That's fine because then you've hopefully given them uh, those fishing skills so they can go fishing instead of just handing them off a nice cooked salmon. And so you've set them up for being able to find information in a much better way. And, uh, you know, this is kind of related to this, too, and I think of this because I had a colleague who would always ask similar questions at a federal aid conference and generally would get those types of questions back about, do you really want us to give you answers for that? Do you really want us to tell you what to do? And, again, you don't need to be conspiratorial, uh, conspiratorial or overly concerned, but I wouldn't always start at the top unless you're absolutely sure that's the only way you're going to get the answer you need. Not that you want so much, but you really need. Instead, really consider starting low. You know, work with people within your office. You know, if I have a general question about how were we doing something or how should we do something, maybe I start within the office. In our financial aid world with 116 community colleges, maybe I start with a colleague at another school in the area because I know all of them in the L.A. and O.C. area well. It's not too hard to reach out to somebody. You know, hey, I'm wondering how do you process X, Y, and Z? Or have you ever seen this form before? Um, You know, those are good starting points to find out what's going on. If needed, move it up the ranks. You know, we've got a number of state-level resources. Our California Student Aid Commission staff, when it comes to state aid, our California Community Colleges Chancellor's Office when it comes to stuff specific about community colleges. Again, regionally, we have our different regions of the state of financial aid administrators. And, of course, we have NASFAR, National Association, on the national level, which, again, they're not a governing body of or like a guidance-giving or regulating body. They are an association of financial aid administrators. And or uh, last but not least... And again, the, the, horse, uh, the horse's mouth, federal student aid itself, the part of the Department of Ed that handles all of federal student aid programs. So usually start low, work your way up along the way. That way you're not, I'm not going to say wasting somebody's time, but you're really starting with um, maybe ways, especially when it's a complex issue, whether you know it or not yet. It's a good way to, you know, start sussing out some answers and or shaping the question you have at hand so that you get a most appropriate answer. But before we continue on with more of this line of talking, because I do want to talk a little bit about facts versus advice and guidance, I say we throw a little music up on the board, take a little break, come back for our second cup. And just like that, we are back for the second cup segment here on the What's Brewing CISFA show. Time for a little refill, everybody. So again, this is kind of one of these evergreen topics, as in it's not specifically tied to a topic at hand of today, but something, uh, a kind of a think piece that I'm just working through here on a Friday. And so we're talking about, you know, who to ask for advice, when to ask for it, how you put things together as far as uh, collecting information. And so let's talk facts alone. So, you know, if you're looking for facts, whether it's facts and figures, statistics, et cetera, some research, 
you know, some of the greatest uh, sources out there for financial aid, we have NASFA, the National Association's website. And in particular, this is a site I had to go to uh, earlier today uh, to their Ask Regs section, which is kind of where you can put in a couple keywords and find out if NASFA has some guidance on this and or if they've ever maybe asked a question of the Department of Ed for their guidance or specific take on something. You know, so if you come up across X, Y, and Z while verifying a student file, must you do ABC? That's the type of information. Or understanding how when a regulation went into effect, what was the effect on the work processes you might have already had in place? So the NASFA website, another good reason for your institution to be a NASFA member, and it's relatively affordable, uh, just for the NASFA website access alone. And again, they have ask regs. They have a bunch of guides on different topics from professional judgment, satisfactory academic progress, Perf uh, um, I was going to say return to title for a variety of things like that. Now, also on the federal front, federal student aid has restructured their websites. They used to run a lot of separate websites for a lot of different reasons. We had a separate FAFSA website. We had a separate site called student aid, uh, gov for students. We had a FSA ID page for the students to set up their federal student aid ID on our professional front. We had a page for COD or the common origination and disbursement site. We had NSLDS access, which is uh, the national student loan data system, a separate site for adding new employees uh, access to federal student aid sites, how we could do corrections to FAFSA online, you name it. Well, now we have the FSA partner website. And it kind of culminates all this together, aggregates. It makes it easier for signing in so you don't have to sign into uh, five different websites all at the same time. Still getting some kinks worked out, I have to say, but it's, uh, it's really simplified things quite a bit. But you'll find a ton of information there, links to the Federal Student Aid Handbook, something uh, we talked about probably at the last show that comes out every year and really is kind of a, a boiling down of the different regulations and law and putting it into perspective of frontline users like us when it comes to understanding student eligibility, school eligibility, understanding processes, all of that. Um, it, it's, it's all in, in, imbibed in the, in the Federal Student Aid Handbook. On the state front, we have the CSAC, the California Student Aid Commission website. And again, I think I brought this up last show. Yeah, there were some hidden pages there that really had some great information and resources for us. Same thing for the California Community College's Chancellor's Office website. Great resources. Now, outside of that, there are some general resources in the higher ed field. Um, I used to subscribe to the Chronicle for Higher Education. It's kind of like a weekly newspaper uh, about things in higher ed. And they do report on things, student services and otherwise related, federal student aid and all. But it's a lot of academic stuff, too. And so it's a reasonable cost. It's a little costly, but it's got good information. I signed up for uh, signed off for other reasons. It's um, one of too many resources maybe I had uh, and for what I needed. There's the InsideHigherEd.com website. There's Real Clear Education coming from the people who created Real Clear Politics which is kind of a news aggregator 
and under real clear education is specifically a tab about higher education. Something I've done before during certain times of the year, I'll set a preset Google search to report back to me when there's things that are in the news about student financial aid as a term or other terms like that, just so I know I get some news if there's news out there. Also signing up for email lists or listservs, uh, particularly with the Student Aid Commission, I made sure I get emails whenever a new operations memo or a special alert comes out. They're very handy. I'm still signed up for the old FinAid L listserv that's ran by the Penn State people. Uh, I don't use it quite as much. Uh, it's a little clunky, but it has been useful in the past because it's this old-timey um, listserv to find topics uh, that are kind of old that you might have to relate back to. And again, it's a good sounding board for everybody. Using your regional contacts to find, you know, facts and figures on the ground. I see that occasionally where a school around here will ask a question about how are you handling disbursements of the new ABC grant? And they want to have an idea. Uh, just, uh, you know, get some sampling of schools around the area. To see if they're on board with things, see if they're heading the right way. And lastly, here in this little group here, I'm going to say, get on the CISFA board. If you haven't been on the board, you haven't ran for office, why not? Think of it this way. Being on the CISFA executive board, whether you're a regional rep or one of the other officers, there is almost no better sounding board. you have your counterparts from across the state. You have financial aid administrators from big schools, small schools, rural, urban. And many of them are experts in different things. I never claim to be an expert on return to Title IV or some of those accounting-related type of things that are very intense formulaic things. But I know quite a bit about satisfactory academic progress, so I can balance off someone else on the board who has something else as their topic. And this made me think about the fact that we have a lot of people, a lot of financial aid directors recently, going out and getting their doctorate-level degrees, our EDD people. So we have a number of them who have been on the board or are on the board, they may be great resources for information. I think it might not be a bad idea to put the call out to these uh, new doctorate uh, types to find out and ask them to share with us what have they been researching for their papers, you know, their theses. Um, and especially if it's related directly to financial aid, hopefully so, what new research is out there? So there's a lot of people out there working on their degrees why not uh, pull from their brains and put it into ours? And then lastly, here in this part of the show, uh, something that, um, again, I'm a book buyer and occasionally a book reader, but go out and buy some books on education, especially if you have interest in, in, a, in a singular topic or you want to see how things are happening on, on a national level. You know, I can't be the only one buying books out of the education section over at Barnes & Noble 
And, of course, my local independent bookstore, Vroman's. Get out there. Um, there's a variety of books, uh, both on specifically financial aid, and we'll come up with kind of maybe a list. I'll, I'll put a list out someday. Maybe maybe not in today's show notes, but in a future show notes of different books on higher education and financial aid for you. Uh, higher education, there's so many different books, uh, different topics. Some of them are, of course, um, I don't want to say mean-spirited, but they're, you know, about how why does college cost so much and how you're not getting anything out of it and it's a waste of money. There are others about how to reinvent the education system, blow it up, etc., and everything in between. And uh, I think don't just read the ones that you agree with. Read ones that maybe you specifically don't agree with. And then find out at the end of 180 to 240 pages, which is about a, a normal book's worth of reading, do you agree with them? Or have you been swayed a little bit? And maybe it turns you on to another book. Please, people, let me not be the only one filling up my bookshelves with books on education. Go out there, support good writers, buy the book. I suggest buy the real book. So, again, before we move on to our last little segment of the day, let's throw a little music up here for you, everyone. have to stop saying saying throw up music i mean let's put a little music on here before we had our last sip segment here so this would be the time to do a little bit of i dare you twos i do have one that's not related to financial aid at all as we are closing out the show today uh, i want to thank title music online uh, not the producers of high-end audio equipment but the producer of a website where you can download, or I should say stream, high-resolution music. It's really great. Uh, I just happened to find out today that one of my favorite bands, the Explorers Club, has released three albums in just the last couple of years. My guess is because uh, they were probably busy being locked up during the pandemic, not being able to tour, etc. And they found time to record some more music. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of albums. It's uh, just great music in my mind. Uh, so I want to thank Title for that. And again, thanks to the Explorers Club and your Beach Boy Influence Harmonies. That's that's kind of reminiscent of their sound. They're a little softer of a sound, but they got these great harmonies. So if you're looking for some new music, the Explorers Club. Uh, don't buy the first album that's really old. It's not them. It's some other group. It's got a weird cover, like a red book-looking cover. Find all their other albums, and there's a number of them that are out there. So that's really about all I have for today's show, but don't worry. We'll have episodes next week. Maybe we'll even have Dana back on the show. So even though she couldn't join us, I want to thank my co-host Dana, and of course thank you, our audience, for tuning in. If you have something to say or you have topics you want us to discuss, email us at wbcisfa at gmail.com. You can find this and all What's Brewing Ceasefire podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing Ceasefire is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana. 
This has been episode number 118, recorded the afternoon of Friday, August 27th, 2021. Everyone have a great day and have a great weekend.